As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Good morning. Yes, Allison, did you get any sleep last night? (laughs) I'm just impressed that this game last night did not just continue into the game coming tonight at this rate. Yeah, you know, I can't do it. I stopped writing last night at like well after three. I just I can't do this stuff anymore. They have to take it easy on the old man here. Blue Jackets down three nothing last night. They come back to win four three. You know all that. It's the third time in franchise history they've done that in the playoffs. They've only played 30, 33 playoff games, and they've come back from three zero down three different times. This is twice now in the span of uh, two years playoffs. They did it again last spring against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You'll recall in Game One. Oh, let's go through this, Allison. Let, let me just get your grand thoughts on on what transpired last night, what your level of belief was in this team down 3-0 in a game three on the brink of moving toward an elimination game tonight. What are you thinking, Allison, in that situation when the Leafs go up 3 nothing midway through the second period? Well, I mean – Let's be honest, I thought it was over, right? I, I didn't think that uh, the, the offense had it in them. And uh, I, I was preparing for tonight to possibly be, well, I mean, it still could be, I guess, but to be the last game. Um, and they, they showed something. I don't know how they pulled it together, but they showed something. Yeah. And so, you know what? I, I was thinking about this when I couldn't fall, because I was so tired I could barely write last night, and then I couldn't fall asleep, Alice. Of course. You know how this goes. Of course. Um, so I was thinking about sort of the anatomy of a, of a game like this. And, and I want to walk through it sort of gradually and build our way to Pierre-Luc Dubois' game-winning overtime goal for a hat trick uh, to win this thing last night. But something has to happen when you're down 3-0 that just to give you footing, just to give you a steady in other words, to stop sliding. And for Columbus last year, and we'll just stick to the last couple of years because 
to go back too far is a different cast of characters. But last year in Tampa, it was Bobrovsky's unbelievable save against Kucherov to keep it 3 nothing. I felt like in last night's game, it was John Tortorella's bold decision. Not shocking, but a bold decision, given how well Corpusalo has played, to go to Elvis Merzlikens at 8.48 of the second period when the Leafs uh, take a 3-0 lead. So just in this, in the, within the confines of them getting a grip on themselves, what did Elvis give to them in that moment that allowed the ship to steady? It's a great question. And, I, and the more I think about it, I think it's more telling um, than even maybe what we saw because we know that it, takes, it took this club some time to get comfortable with him in net, uh, just given how games went, given how he was acclimating to the NHL. So I think it's really impressive that him coming into net, in some ways it seemed to free up that team to play and be a signal to go play. Um, I think that says a lot. Um, but other than that, it really is, is shocking that such a change can make the difference it did. Um, and it was kind of funny to watch Elvis wait for questions for him last night <laughs> after, right. after all that, because, it, you know, it is funny with this goaltending tandem. It's not a ton of work all the time, but when they have to put in the work, they do. And I thought, Again, it's the cliche, but I really think that when the when the chips were down, Elvis came up huge, yeah. um, and and that change again, like I said, freed up these guys in in that weird way. This stuff does, like you said, um, freed up these guys to say, "We still believe we're still going to give this a good chance. Let's go!" And and they slowly put it all together. Yeah, what amazed me, I think more, he made a great save against Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens did. One thing that amazed me, perhaps more than anything, and I plan to ask John Tortorella about it this morning or noon when the, when the uh, Blue Jackets speak, um, Elvis comes out of his net. This is shortly after he came yes. in. Yes, yes. He comes out of his net to play a puck that Kapanen is in hot pursuit of. Yes. And really diffuses that situation. That is, A, an amazing read for a goaltender who's just come into the game. Um, B, who really, you know, sometimes when, when a backup goalie comes into the game, it, you can see it brewing. A bad goal here, three minutes later, another bad goal. Yep. And you, you've got that time to think, oh, this could be happening. There was no such thought yesterday. That was really the first chink in the armor uh, for Corpus Salo. And then, boom, Elvis, you're in. Yep. So his, his warm-up time was really the time it took him to skate from the bench to the right. right. Um, and then to make that read, that, that to me was, the, there was a signal, there you go, okay, this is different. Yeah. And there were a couple of times with pucks rimmed around the boards where he went to get them. Yep. And, and he is a different goaltender. You pointed this out again last night on, on Twitter. He's a different goaltender than Corpusalo. And maybe that just in and of itself uh, gave Columbus some footing. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, let's just be honest, I thought he was really good in early parts of game one and then faltered. Yes. I didn't like his game at all in game two. And, and that's not hypercritical. He didn't like his game in game number two either. John Tortorella didn't like his game at all in game mm-hmm. number two. Um, so the Blue Jackets, as John Tortorella will tell you, they do not chase matchups, which is crazy. That's like saying a baseball team doesn't care about their lineup or a basketball team doesn't care who covers who. You care. This is the game. So 
the Blue Jackets in the first two games could not – they tried their best to get Dubois away from Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. In game three, they were able to – because Tortorella had the last change. He was able to pair Dubois more with John Tavares. And you saw, a, I think, a totally different player. Now, I don't know if that's purely the matchups. That's not enough of a sample size to go by. But it may just have been that Pierre-Luc Dubois was, was, was right pissed. And sometimes he plays his best hockey when he's angry. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Dubois was, was much better all night last night. And then he gets a scoring chance, maybe the first scoring chance he'd had in a while, and just buries a, a pass from Wierenski, and it's 3-1. to one. And at that point, I don't know that you have momentum yet, but if you're the Blue Jackets, you now have – you can see a flicker of light. You now have some semblance of belief. Totally. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. It's, if, if you're a superstitious person, you, you don't want to say these things. But how many people, when that goal went in, said, well, they did it against Tampa, right. you know? Um, yeah. And it's such a recent memory. It's – to your point earlier, it's the same group. Um, and – you know, it's interesting. We, we hear Torts offer challenge to Dubois to be better and to be more consistent. And a game last night, like last night, reminds you why he's making that challenge to the player. Because yeah. when he is going, um, you know, we've often talked about the physicality and the size and the speed of someone like Josh Anderson, and rightly so. But he is just a big guy who can move and who can finish and who can challenge you defensively. And when he is playing, you see him, right? You see him on the ice. And I think that uh, this informs, too, why Torts does get mad at him <laughs> to yeah. frustrate him to be, to be that player every night. Yeah. And I, you can't see this if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. You can't understand this. And I don't, I'm not speaking down to him. No. We're not. But when you're in that situation, you cannot fathom that the reason the coach is so hard on you is because he's so high on you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. That's the everything. So it's three to one now. The ice, I don't know if the ice is tilted, but the ice is, is less tilted toward the Maple Leafs. And Seth Jones, who, if I'm correct, scored the game-winning goal in Tampa. I know I'm right correct. about that. That's correct. I think it was on the, it was a wrister from the right side. Was it not? Oh, I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, my, my, my memory tells me this, but my memory tells me all sorts of things. Um, Jones at 727 of the third period, 3-1 at this point, has the puck in the right circle. He's coming toward the dot. There's a crowd in, in front of the net. Felino's fl- flailing wildly through. He's tripped on something. Um, the, Kerfoot's fronting the play from, from Anderson out. There's, uh, there's other debris in there. Gustav Nyquist is on the doorstep. My point is, uh, Seth Jones has a about the size of a drink coaster to what hit. What a goal! What a goal! In the corner and zips it over Frederick Anderson's uh, left shoulder, right by his left ear, picks his spot, and it's three to two. So at three one, if you have hope, I think at three two you have belief now. Yeah, you're starting to you have feel now. Yeah, you with me on that? Oh, totally. So again, it's, it, there's too much evidence to not from this group of players. Yeah, yeah. And so after that goal, you could feel, I think the ice did shift 
toward Columbus. Um, and I think it shifted quite a bit. And, you, and, and to, to understand how heavy that is, I think you have to realize the, this group of Maple Leafs playoff history. Um, mm. if, if Columbus is used to coming back, not used to it, but if they have a history they can lean on of coming back from 3-0 down, the Leafs also have history that they can lean on, though they may try to lean away from it. <laughs> and that history, that history is that they gag leads at a remarkable and stunning rate. And, and so that's in there somewhere. Like the, 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 the walls are never far from closing in on them. Barely three minutes later, here come Atkinson and Dubois. Uh, Dubois keeps it. He's, this is a night where he's got to keep it. Yeah. And he scores off the rush, and it's all tied midway through the third period. Allison, they're now back even. That 3-3 goal now is full momentum. It feels – it almost felt like, to me, this may be naive or, or incorrect, it felt – as though they were going to win this game. And I did not have any sense that Elvis was going to give up a goal. Even in overtime, when Toronto basically dominated the first at least 10 minutes of that overtime period, with the exception of a shift here or there, what's your feeling and how does your feeling change when it gets to 3-3? I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's incredulous. It's, well, here we go again. It's, oh my God, we're going to overtime. How late are we going to be up? <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think when that third period was dominant, I, I'm with you. In OT, I started to think they may not have it in them offensively. But to your point, I thought that Elvis wasn't going to give one up either. I was half joking on Twitter last night when I was saying this game's just going to roll into game four because. Elvis isn't going to break no matter what Toronto throws at him, even if Columbus is tired. Um, but it, it felt it's one of those when you're in the storybook moment, it felt like all the reasons you gave all the narratives that you gave, they all aligned for it to be exactly as it was supposed to be. Yeah. And so it, here come the counterpunching blue jackets into overtime. And I, I thought they, you know, that they can handle that overtime play. I don't think it wasn't game two retreat mode. They seemed to be, I don't know, they they were within themselves, I thought, during that overtime, though the ice was tilted. But a huge play from a young player who I thought maybe deserved to be on the podium last night speaking, Alexander Texier. Yes. Maybe the best game we've seen for him as a Blue Jacket, certainly the best we've seen from him in the playoffs. And he makes a play, an aggressive play, not a reckless play, though, in overtime. Uh, John Tavares gets a hell of a feed. I think it was Riley that fed him. Turns around to the high slot and maybe takes a little bit long to get rid of his shot. Texas got the long stick and the long reach. Gets his stick on, on the puck before Tavares can shoot. Essentially strips John Tavares, one of the league's top players, of the puck, and now is on a two-on-two with Dubois. And I'm not sure what the Leafs are doing in that situation, but Texier makes a wonderful play off his backhand. A saucer pass that basically allows Dubois to accelerate. And the guy who's the who's the furthest back doesn't take Dubois. For some reason, he sticks with 
Texier, I think it was Riley, and now all hell breaks loose and Dubois uh, in on a breakaway scores game over. That goal, we crack, I crack on them a lot for not – and it's not a crack. It's, a, it's a, a, a criticism, I think, fair, that this team doesn't have a ton of skill. That's a whole lot of skill bound up in that one play right there, Allison. A hundred percent. And I think that what, you know, when Texier came on the, on the scene last year, as with all players, what drew the attention was the goals. But if you watched him play, even last year and at the start of the season, he's a son of a bitch. Um, He will get under opponent's skin. He is aggressive defensively. And I think we forget that because we didn't know he was battling with an injury until he had to leave play for some time. I think he has come back so intense defensively. Uh, Brad Shaw was laughing and told me that actually players were almost frustrated with him in training camp because he was being so aggressive in defensive drills and challenging on the battles and challenging his teammates to play. Um, And he brings that edge. He's not a known entity yet for some of these other teams. Um, What a key play by him. What, what maturity and presence of mind to make that play. Um, This is a situation where I think the pause helped a player because you're away, you get to reflect, you get to mature, you get to really think about your game um, and you get to get healthy. Um, And then I'm with you for, for PL to be the one to finish. We know those two are close. There's probably some chemistry there, a lot of trust there. Um, I just think Alexander Texier, I'm with you as an uncelebrated part of of this team, particularly right now in this series. We did a thing last, it seems like four years ago now, but before (laughs) this season, um, where we made predictions and not, it wasn't just how many points they're going to have it. We did all that, but these were more specific, um, hopefully insightful predictions. And one of the things I remember having, and I'm not going to word it exactly right, but that Alexander Texier is going to start a lot of scrums, Yep. be part of a lot of fires. And we didn't see that. And yep. I think you're right that, you know, one does not, one does not, uh, go hard into a, a scrum with a rough back. Right. And, and so he was banged up. Um, I, I think it's going to come. He's not a small player. No. He's got a frame. The frame is still filling out, but there, there is an attitude about him. And he was, he was bumping some people last night, but I don't think we've even seen the full of that yet. Um, but when we talk about them, when I talk about them, I don't want to put words in your mouth, not having enough skill often it, it's, it's talked about being down the middle, that they don't have those playmakers down the middle. They do have playmakers on the wing, and he's one of them. I'm interested to see if Texier does at some point move to center, as has been uh, discussed here. Um, he played mostly on the wing, even in Finland, so he really hasn't played high-level pro in the middle. So that would be a huge adjustment. But maybe they've got some playmaking from the wing from Texier, but he looked great last night. Allison, that game last night ended a little after midnight. Crazy. That sound right? Crazy. Uh, yeah, close to. Close to. Yeah. So about 20 hours from puck drop tonight. Insane. No skate today for the Blue Jackets. I think they did plenty of that last night. Yeah, seriously. Um, they had three players over 30 minutes. Seth Jones at 32-40. That's a lot, but that's not crazy for him. Right. In an overtime game. Zach Wierenski, 31-18. Here's a couple there we go. Whoa, whoa, yeah. that's a forward. Cam Atkinson, who had two assists, was plus three, by the way. 30 minutes, nine seconds. Insane. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and that's because he, John Tortorella double shifted the Texier 
Dubois Atkinson line. Um, and it was strange how he used things, but uh, we talked earlier about Dubois keeping him away from Matthews. There were some face-offs where Tortorella had Texier and, and Atkinson out there against the Matthews line, but had Riley Nash take the face-offs, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so Pierre-Luc Dubois played 27-30. And again, the rookie, uh, Alexander Texier, he was on for 25-50. Boone Jenner, 24 and a half minutes. Um, that's a lot of, of uh, rubber off the tires. Uh, these are very young teams, both of them. Any thoughts to what role fatigue plays uh, tonight in game four? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest themes to watch for, to be honest, specifically after how we saw, in my opinion, that they looked a little tired in that OT. They could not break the puck out to save their lives, for goodness sake. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. I think for a player like Jones, a player like Orensky, these are minutes that they're mostly used to. But on the team as a whole, this is where the benefit of Toronto's offensive depth helps them. They can roll their lines more consistently, unlike what Tortorella chose to do. But he told us he was going to do this. Players who have gave the team a chance to win, we're going to ride, ride, ride and go. Um, but fatigue for me is probably the very top of my list of what I'm looking for tonight. Yeah. There is there a, I almost started that question in a very leading way. Is there any question in your mind who the goaltender is for the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight? No. 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 It's Elvis Merzlikens, yes? Has to be. Has to be, right. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I just, I was talking with the local broadcaster this morning about Elvis. And this is any, any compliment you pay one of these goaltenders is going to sound as, as a slight to the other. Right. I don't intend that. There is an energy. This team wants so badly to play hard and play well in front of Corpusala because they genuinely like him. There's a genuine respect for him there. Hard not to. Right. Fully understandable. There is, a, there is an electricity that emanates from that goal cage when Elvis Merzlikens is in there. You feel it? Oh, and it, when it's you already mentioned this, but the minute he went in net, I tweeted and I said, this guy plays differently. And then I gift that play that you already outlined. And half of Twitter, who doesn't watch the Blue Jackets regularly, was having a coronary. And I literally said, you guys, I just told you this is how he plays. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is noticeable by people who haven't even watched this team ever, perhaps. Um, there's a swagger there. It's in his style. It's always been in his style. And, and yeah. It draws attention. And I think, like I said earlier, I think this group is getting to a place now where they know how to harness it and they know how to play off of it as instead of maybe being afraid of it or unsure of it. Yeah. Wow. And I've said this, um, I may, I may come to regret it someday, but I'm, I'm just being honest when I say this, there are, there are few athletes that I've been around where you have a, a feeling from them, a vibe from them. It's not just a, that's just an ethereal thing. It's, it's how they carry themselves, how they act, what they say. Um, and I think people get Elvis wrong. Yeah. I, think, um, I think people think they hear that he is an interesting guy with an interesting background and they think he's a wing nut. Yep. Right. And they think he's, he's zany and, and wild and unpredictable. And, and he's, I think he's an original thinker. He's a free thinker and a free talker, which is why we like him so much in the media. But when the, when the 
practice skates go on and they, they come out on the ice, that guy works his ass off. Totally. When the games are, are being played, he works his ass off. He's not yeah. Elvis, the personality. He's Elvis, the goaltender. He has a vibe about him that, that's, that does not aspire to be an NHL goaltender, does not aspire to be a good NHL goaltender, does not aspire to be a number one NHL goaltender. He aspires to be the greatest NHL goaltender of his generation. Mm-hmm. And that sounds so crazy and ballsy, but that's how he's wired. The only other athlete I've been around that, that gave, that projected that feeling, there's a couple. Um, Sergei Fedorov had that when I covered him while he was 36 years old. He carried himself as someone who was the, one of the great players of his generation. He had that presence. Another guy is Derek Jeter when he was with the Columbus Clippers, mm-hmm. who had an air about him. Some would, from the distance, say it was arrogance, the way he carried himself. It wasn't. It was exceptionalism. And that's what he strives for. That's, that's what his career was about. Elvis has that air about him. And I, again, I, I'm speaking from the heart here. I don't think I'm speaking um, irresponsibly. That's just the vibe I get around this guy. Nothing is too big for him. And we, this has been a storybook season for him. And it's certainly added another chapter last night. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's so many stories we've told them. I'm sure we'll talk about this more when the season is over. But it, this guy is so genuine, um, so contemplative, so curious, but has to be one of the most competitive people I've ever been around, to your point. I mean, we had stories of him preparing for the two-mile run, him wanting to beat Manny Legacy in golf, a sport he literally never played. Um, this is a very unique individual, and I think, I think you're right. I think too many people get it wrong, and regardless of who you cover or who your team is, I think getting to understand Elvis Merzlikens, it, it's much like, in a different way, watching that Michael Jordan documentary from this, this past spring. This is a unique person and a unique eye into the true success stories of sport, in my opinion. And understanding that, what goes into that, um, is a pretty cool thing to experience. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Game four tonight, the Blue Jackets have a chance to eliminate the Toronto Maple Leafs, as you all expected last night when they were down 3 nothing in the second period. Wow, this game can change quickly. I don't know what the hell to expect tonight, Allison. Um, I don't think anybody does. The Leafs nope. have the weight of the world upon them. I think the Blue Jackets are feeling pretty good about themselves, but that was the case after game one as well. So uh, we'll watch together. Allison, you'll be taking the reins tonight. I'm off to uh, attend to a family situation for the next day and a half or so. Um, So thanks for that. And folks, we'll be back with you Tuesday, uh, unless there's a reason we have to do an emergency front nationwide earlier in the week. Um, We will talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tonight. And the game Sunday should have come to that.